You're listening to Infinite Banking Radio with your host, Patrick Donahoe. You know, there's solutions out there to every one of the financial problems that Americans are facing today, and those solutions are right underneath their nose. The Infinite Banking concept has helped hundreds of thousands of individuals manage their hard-earned money effectively using time-tested financial principles that cannot fail. The intent of this podcast is to awaken these time-tested principles and reinstate certainty into the financial makeup of Americans. Our society is saturated in debt. Our portfolios are made up of the same speculative investments and theories that have failed us time and time again. The banking and securities industries have ruled financial planning for decades, and the only true benefactors are them. The infinite banking concept has proven to be the ideal solution. Hi, everybody. Thank you for downloading this week's, or I'm sorry, this month's episode of Infinite Banking Radio. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. For those of you who uh, who are listening for the first time, please go back and listen to uh, at least our last two podcasts. We've had some, some really interesting ones. One uh, was uh, an event that occurs every single year that's put on by the Real Estate Guys radio program. Uh, they are a, a podcast out of San Francisco, California. And they do a, a summit at sea, and they, they bring a lot of uh, really high-level speakers and, uh, and put on a great show. And they just announced that, uh, that their next year's summit is going to include uh, Robert Kiyosaki. So the last couple of years, they've had, uh, had some of the Rich Dad advisors on there, and uh, there's going to be hopefully up to five this coming year. So for information on the Real Estate Guys Radio, please visit their website, which is www.realestateguysradio.com. The actual podcast the month before was with uh, Tom Wheelwright. Tom Wheelwright is uh, the CPA for, for Kiyosaki and has written, uh, or at least has ha- been a significant contributor to some of Kiyosaki's most recent books. And uh, he was on the podcast talking about entrepreneurism and, uh, and also taxes and things of that nature. So definitely go back and check out those previous podcasts. Uh, today I have uh, an, an awesome opportunity to speak with, uh, with Dr. Bob Murphy again. Bob's been on the show two times previously. And, uh, and, and this year, uh, Bob has, has, uh, has definitely made some, some strides as far as um, being on programs such as, as Freedom Watch and obviously had a, a very high uh, volume of visitors to his blog. He also created a, a stir with Paul Krugman and calling him out on a, on a debate which uh, consists of the, the Austrian theory versus the Keynesian theory. Uh, so Bob, you've, you've, uh, you're a young guy and you've, you've put uh, on quite a, mi- quite a few miles this past year. Yeah, well, thanks, Pat. Thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, we're just trying different uh, ideas to get the the message of liberty and Austrian economics out there. It's kind of hard to to compete with so much stuff going on. But yeah, we're trying any new ideas I can think of. But it sounds like the the momentum is is pretty strong. I mean, obviously, you know, with 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 Ron Paul. Um, you know, having I don't know more clout. I don't know if that's the right way of explaining it, but there, he's been he's had more of a presence, and also other free-minded thinkers have uh, have also had a more significant presence. Well, yeah, you're right. And I mean, he does object. Ron Paul does objectively have more clout uh, than he did during the last presidential campaign. I mean, because he is now that the Republicans have taken over the House, he is the you know the, the chairman of that subcommittee that oversees Fed policy. Yeah, so, I mean that that's pretty. You know, interesting. That wasn't the case before, and I've noticed. I don't know if if your listeners have seen this, but you know, now that when Ron Paul has announced that he's running for you know the next election, and now when he's on CNBC or CNN or what have you, they have him on for a while, and they're the the tone of the questions is different. Like you know, he's now treated 
like he's a real person, whereas before, like they were almost snickering at him, like they couldn't believe that this guy had been elected. And now I think that that you know they, they're taking him more seriously in his ideas. Well, they see they see that his his ideas of the past is is what explained some of the the catastrophic things that have happened economically. I would like to think that that's what it is, and, and maybe you're right, but I think it's more that, like, when I'm talking about, like, like, a CNN host or something, I think it's more they're just in awe of power and the fact that now, I mean, they know he is, you know, he's the chairman now of the subcommittee. And, Interesting. And, okay. Yep. That's you know, true. So yeah. I, I think that that's, I think that's, I mean, it's true. His, his uh, fame and reputation have grown among rank-and-file Americans, I think, because they realize he makes a lot of sense and he seems to be principled and so forth. But in terms of like why even the establishment people are taking him more seriously, I think it's because they realize we can't just keep ignoring this guy. Like he just keeps getting more and more popular. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think that you know, just looking at you know Fox and the and the the presence that it has. Um, I mean, Judge Judge Napolitano's show has has gotten some some notoriety as well uh, because you know a year ago that show didn't exist, and now you know looking at obviously his background and the credit, uh, credibility that he brings to the table, that's also you know facilitated a lot of other ideas because he's had you know Lou Rockwell on there, you're on there frequently, Tom Woods is on there frequently. Yeah, I think you're right, and, and Judge Napolitano is a good example for you to bring up, and he's because he's actually done a really good job. But he how can I put it? I mean, he's, he's uncompromising. He makes a lot of sense, but he's also very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, he's, um, you know, like, like in his opening show, he had Sarah Palin on as a guest and so forth. So, I mean, he knows how to fit in. So, like, at first glance, it seems like, oh, yeah, he's the guy that should be on Fox. But then if people start watching him, they say, wait a minute, his message is different. And he seems very consistent in his application of liberty. It's not just you know, whatever Obama wants, I'm against, and it's, you know, Republicans are good. It's like, no, whatever is the, the principled libertarian stand, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. So do you do you feel, I mean, I know this is kind of a, a question from, from left field, but do you, do you feel like there's, there's some good things happening? Uh, obviously, we still have a significant amount of problems, but do you think that, you know, philosophically maybe, people are open to the ideas that might help change things? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's, Unquestionably, even you know, by objective measures, the influence of Austrian economics or what I would call libertarian political thought is is getting more and more traction. Uh, I mean, just to give you an example that sounds very narcissistic. I mean, I'm testifying this week, uh, you know, which is May 25th. I don't know when this podcast is going to be available, but May 25th, I'm testifying as on the connection between Fed policy and oil prices. And so, I mean, that's. And I didn't go looking for that. I mean, those that committee was contacted me, you know. And it's so. My point is just like even the Republicans are, uh, you know, they're realizing the wait a minute. The public is really angry about commodity prices, and we can, you know, blame it on the Federal Reserve because there's these Austrians who have been saying this for a long time. And it kind of makes sense, and you know, so it's ideas that. Um, would have been considered wacky by sort of establishment types a few years ago. Now it's not just, oh, yeah, that's that weird stuff Ron Paul's always railing about. Now it's, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's have a hearing on this because the American public is really mad. So they give you like an outline as far as what they're going to discuss or give you questions, or is it just basically, hey, here's a plane ticket, show up, and we're going to ask you a bunch of questions? No, the way it works is, I mean, the people inviting you generally, you know, they're only going to invite people that they want to say what they want to, to hear and then so so normally what happens is you go and you and i've already sent them in my testimony like what i'm going to summarize okay you know verbally and then i may get questions from in this case it's going to be democrats probably who might not like what i have to say and so they, you know i might get 
questions saying, you know, no, it's not Bernanke, it's the speculators, isn't it? You know, that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> Well, cool. Yeah. Well, good Well, good luck with that. That should be, uh, that should be interesting. Is it, it's going to be televised, correct? I don't know if it's going to be on C-SPAN, but it's definitely, you know, they're going to record it, and then it'll be, you know, it'll eventually be on YouTube. Find its way to YouTube. It'll be viewable at some point, but I don't know if it's going to actually be on C-SPAN. Awesome, awesome. That, that's, uh, that sounds interesting. So let's. I mean, you you've you've authored several books, and I, I mean, I I often refer to you or think in my mind that you're kind of the uh, the rich dad economist, just because I, I love Kiyosaki, just because he portrays financial education in such a, in such an easy way. And looking at the books that you've authored, uh, whether it's the Politically Incorrect Guide to Capitalism or the Politically Incorrect Guide to the Great Depression and the New Deal. It's just an easy way to understand understand things, and so the book that you obviously came out with last uh, last year, how privatized banking really works, is just a great marriage of you know what we teach here at at uh, Paradigm Life, uh, the infinite banking concept with the idea of Austrian economics. I mean, why don't you give our listeners an idea of uh, what's occurred over the last year since that book was written? Well, sure, and thank you for the kind words. Um, yeah, so Carlos Lahr and I wrote that book. Uh, it came out last summer, and we, the summer of 2010, and it's it does what you just said. We, we were both fans of the Austrian School of Economics, and we saw what they were trying to do. Uh, in particular, they've been trying ever since, you know, Nixon closed the gold window, they've been trying to explain to people the danger of a fiat currency, meaning money that's not backed up by anything, it's just green pieces of paper. And more generally, the the problems of having a Federal Reserve and and having you know bank, money and banking being heavily regulated by the government, and why that's such a dangerous thing to have. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, uh, Carlos had, was a fan of Nelson Nash's infinite banking concept, and he introduced me to that. And it's you know it took me a while to get over the the learning curve there, but then once I realized, no, this makes a lot of sense, and and then we just realized that the two the two were very similar movements. They were that the IBC people, the you know agents who are trying to get people to understand the wisdom of you know having some of your wealth in a whole life policy and you know the, the control and so forth that it gives you, that not only did that make sense from a narrow financial perspective, but that it also it took resources away from the Federal Reserve dominated commercial banking sector, and so we realized that really the, you know the Austrians need to learn about this because this is you know part of getting towards privatized banking, the more people who do this. So that message has, re- has resonated with people. We've noticed, to our knowledge, Carlos and I were the ones, and it was, it was actually Carlos's term, to, to call it privatized banking. I, I think that we invented that, and I've seen lots of people pick up on that phrase in the last year, you know, people who are trying to explain how whole life works to people, and people have used that phrase, and it's, um, you know, and there's various permutations, but I think that idea has really resonated with people to show them that you know you don't have to in this era of bailouts and you know wall street and all that kind of stuff i think that's an extra little twist to the message to say you know this is a way you can take your own personal household's wealth out of that volatile arena where all the big boys are running to washington and trying to you know have interventions and stuff that you just want to secede from that whole system and that's what the infinite banking concept allows you to do, and hopefully, I mean, I, I think that whenever whenever there's been a, a market correct, I don't know if it's called a correction or downturn. I mean, obviously, there's a variety of ways to explain it, but people people trend toward insurance. They trend toward conservative and fixed investments, and and looking at you know over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of money that's flowed out and and flowed into insurance. Now, I don't think that's you know a, a direct result of you know the infinite banking concept. 
Um, but you know, this is just another way in which individuals can create that certainty in their in their finances. So would you would you say that there's been a a positive response to to, to the book? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's people that both you know agents and just regular individuals who ended up buying policies, you know, telling us that okay, this really you know explained a lot of things that I hadn't you know hadn't really clicked before. Now I have a deeper understanding of why it works. That sort of thing. That's that's what we were trying to do, really, is just to, to demystify and just to show, you know, what, what, how is it that these ideas can work? Because some people, when they first hear it, it sounds too good to be true, and they think there's got to be some catch. And so that's part of what we were trying to do there is just to show, well, no, this is why, for example, the insurance companies are willing to give you a loan with your policy as the collateral without asking you when you're going to pay it back. Whereas if you go to a bank, even if you want to take out a home equity loan, with your house as the collateral, the bank's going to say, well, what are you going to use it for? What kind of income do you have? They're not just going to give you a check that day, whereas insurance company, you call them up, say, how much cash value do I have? Cut me a check, and that's what they do. Yep. yep. And you're not so subject not, yeah, you're not subject to any, whim, any whims. So, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, and so in, in the book, I mean, that's just one of the things we try to do is to explain, you know, why, why is that the case? It's not just that the people working at commercial banks are jerks and the people at insurance companies are angels. It's the, no, it's the nature of the product and the collateral and so forth. So that's the kind of thing we try to do in the book. And so, yeah, to answer your, your question, a lot of people have responded very well. Uh, you know, Carlos and I give a lot of public talks, too, and people come up afterward and say, you know, oh, yeah, I love the book and, uh, you know, really under explained it for me and I'm handing it out to my friends, that sort of thing. Cool. Cool. So so the, every year, you know, hopefully this, this, this trend continues, but every year, um, you're, you're hoping to have one of these nights of clarity. So last year was an incredible event. That was that was the I, I, I attended, and there was I'm not sure what the final headcount was, but there were there were quite a few people there. Are you expecting um, the same type of turnout, or, or maybe even more of a turnout this year? Well, that's right. Yeah. So for your listeners, it's the night of clarity was we held it in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, the first one was in the summer of. 2010, and then we're going to have it again this year, July 22nd and 23rd. And yeah, last year we had, I think maybe about 125 people came, and it was a two-day event. And we had a, a the first night was just more educational and sort of entertaining. That we had a, a suite of speakers uh, headlined by Tom Woods, the author of uh, Politically Incorrect Guide to American History, and um, uh, melt, meltdown and nullification. Yeah. Nullification. Yeah. So he's got a, a few uh, New York Times bestsellers under his belt. So yeah, he uh, was the headliner, and we, we got the same cast this this time around as well. And yeah, we're expecting an even bigger turnout because most of the people who went last year are coming back, and we expect that there's going to be a whole new uh, influx of people. We've got you know some Tea Party people now that are that are getting involved, and so it's not just people who are into Nelson Nash's insurance ideas. It's also just people in the liberty movement. Because the, the added twist this year is we're going over the on the Friday night events, we're, we're going through and explaining the historical role that Andrew Je- President Andrew Jackson had in ending the second bank of the United States, which was the precursor of the Federal Reserve. So we're going to go, and he, and he also paid off the national debt. So not just he balanced the budget. No, he literally paid off the debt. The Uncle Sam didn't owe anybody any money, and that was the only time in U.S. history that's been Never the case. Been so, yeah. we're, so we're trying to just you know show people that this isn't a pipe dream. You know, we say we should we ultimately need to, to get rid of the Federal Reserve. That this has happened before in U.S. history. So that's 
the the hook and Jackson is local to Nashville. I mean, his yeah, his that's house. the that's the irony. Yeah, yeah. So that's partly. So we're hoping we can get a bigger like local Nashville crowd just because they're interested in learning more about Andrew Jackson. So who chose the theme of of having uh, you know the, the Andrew Jackson theme? Uh, I think it was just a joint decision that Carlos and I made that we uh, were just we were trying to think of you know what's what's special. How can we make this you know an an, an event to stand out from other ones and. I don't remember exactly what the uh, whose idea was or what what made us think of that, but we realized that yeah, that's something that local Nashville people would want, and that's the Saturday night as well. We're having like the closing uh, event is a is a sort of tent party out at Andrew Jackson's mansion, you know, because that's it's the Hermitage. It's actually not that far from downtown Nashville, so we're going to bus people out there, and that's the uh, you know after the the infinite banking concept workshop on Saturday, the closing event is that, that barbecue, well, not barbecue, but, a, you know, hors d'oeuvres and so forth at Andrew Jackson's mansion, if, you know, so that's sort of a, a neat little local twist. Interesting. Interesting. So what would you, what would you say maybe to, to critics that, you know, analyze the economy of the mid 1800s when I think he was maybe earlier, a little bit earlier than that, but when he, when he was president and the, the the nature of an economy at that point versus the nature of an economy at this point. Well, sure, and also let me my my inner marketing uh, voice is saying I should say it's at usatrustonline.com. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna put we're gonna put all the different links on the podcast. But yeah, okay. why don't you give individual you know the the listener base the the information to go on and get more information about the actual event. Yeah, so the only one I'll give is that yeah, usatrustonline.com is where you get all the information on the event if people want to learn more of the details. Um, yeah, so that's a great question you bring up. People say, look, the U.S. economy was was different back then, and you know, it was primarily agricultural. And but that's the thing. I mean, the the case for the free market is not to say, oh, if things are really simple then freedom works, but when things get really complicated, then you need to have government regulators making sure nothing gets out of whack. It's actually the other way around, that if things are very simple and primitive, socialism in principle could work. You know, if you have like a a Native American Indian tribe, it's possible you could have the chief elders, you know, just, okay, you guys go hunt and you guys go pick berries and then we'll just divide the the stuff according to who needs to eat, (laughs) and maybe that could work because there's not too much going on. But in a modern market economy, you, the central planning just doesn't work. It's too complicated. There's too much stuff going on. So by the same token, if if you didn't need to have a central bank, you know, back and when the United States was a lot simpler, you especially don't want to have one now when things can you can cause a housing bubble, for example, if you don't know what you're doing, or cause a dot com bubble. So that's um, I, I think the the case for free markets actually becomes stronger the more complex and interwoven the international world economy becomes. And I think I think just just tenets and principles of anything transcend time. I mean, obviously we are in a different economy because of how global and fluid things are, how easy uh, information is is passed and messages are getting across but on both sides, you know, fact and fiction, um, but those those fundamental especially financial and economic principles uh, re- retain their soundness. Yeah, and it's the thing is, too, that it's, uh, how can I put it, in terms of, you know, having bailouts and whatever, there's there's two main approaches you can do to try to prevent another crisis. You can say to people in the financial sector, look, you can do whatever you want with your own property, you know, get real leverage if you want to, make all kinds of crazy bets, but if it blows up, then you eat all the losses, and even, I don't care how big you are, if you're going down, then we're just going to let you go down. 
So that's what that would work, you know, have freedom with responsibility and accountability. Or another approach is to say, okay, we know that you're a really big firm, so if you're about to fail, we'll bail you out with tax dollars or the Fed will come in and rescue you. But then to prevent you from taking advantage of that situation, we're going to regulate the heck out of you. And, you know, before you can do things, you know, you got to run it past us and we're going to have margin limits and so forth. And I think that's, you know, that second approach is the way legislation has gone basically since the New Deal. And I think that's very naive because, of course, in practice, the regulators are, it's a revolving door between, you know, Goldman Sachs and all the other big investment banks and the people that are ostensibly regulating them. And, and then also on top of that, the people in the private sector, they have the incentive to try to just figure out ways around the regulations. So I don't think, you know, this idea of the, of the SEC and the Federal Reserve as traffic cops maintaining, you know, honor and integrity in the financial sector I mean, just on the face of it, that's crazy that you're going to have politicians set up a system to keep businessmen honest. I mean, that's that's nuts. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, just the, the most robust system is one where, you know, yeah, you people can take crazy bets if they want to, but then they eat the losses. And that's the way to actually make people more responsible. Yeah, because it's I mean, there's there's been no real regulatory body that's ever helped anything. And I, and I think what was it was a couple of weeks ago where President Obama came out and started talking about you know the the need to be able to tap into the the, the reserve or the resources of uh, of the U.S. as far as oil is is concerned. But again, it just comes with that same adage of you know obviously there's going to be a regulatory body to ensure that there's no there's no fraud. And it's like <laughs> I mean they've tried that. It just you know it it creates even more fraud by having a policing system to prevent it. Yeah, right, and I mean. All that stuff, it's you know, talking about oil resources and so forth. I mean, it, the reason we, we are importing so much oil is because the federal government has all sorts of crazy permitting rules and so forth on American companies being able to develop offshore oil resources and things. So it's the government, I mean, it's just another example. The government creates a bunch of problems and then says, oh, see, the free market doesn't work, so that's why we need more power and money. You know, and they just keep doing it and just keep creating more and more problems that people erroneously blame on capitalism. And what's great is that, I mean, one of the, at the, you were at the think tank, the, uh, the infinite banking concept, that there's a, there's a think tank that's put on by, by Nelson Nash and, and his crew every, every single year. Uh, but one of my favorite talks there was by, by Jeffrey Tucker. I know that he's interviewed you before and he's, you know, uh, one of those individuals has, uh, a huge, huge influence on the web, the, the Mises Institute's webpage. Um, but he had one of the best talks that I that, that I heard there. Even though the, the relevance wasn't necessarily exactly toward the infinite banking concept, uh, but he talked. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was a speech that Obama gave in front of the. Uh, I think it was the National Chamber of Commerce, where he was, you know, touting that the government invented like the defrost system or something like that. Um, but his his point was that was false. But it was proven false through through the media. There was a post on there that they created, which basically said, did, did Obama or did the the government actually create the defrost system of a of a refrigerator or whatever it was? Um, and there was just such an overwhelming amount of response that disproved that in a matter of minutes. And I think now, as we as we look at, you know, a lot of a lot of how the government is is trying to fix problems. There's there's such a, a response via social media or blogs or, or whatever that people are really starting to wake up and really have all facets of the of the conversation to make you know educated decision. Do you do you see that as well? Oh yeah, definitely. And and that's we, Carlos and I were actually involved in, in getting Jeff Tucker to be the one of the speakers there at that think tank in Birmingham because 
we're trying to get the the uh, you know the, the fans of Nelson Nash, the people who are associated with the IBC, to to see how the Mises Institute has has done it. Because the Mises Institute was founded, I think, in like '82, something like that. And they, in the beginning, they were just a dinky organization that were getting like literally letters in the U.S. mail saying, "Hey, can you give me this article?" And they would go photocopy it and send it out. <laughs> and of course, now they have all kinds of books and things online and daily articles coming out. And so thousands of people see their stuff within minutes. Whereas before, if they sent one photocopied article, you know, they thought, okay, we're making a difference. One person now can see this article. So our point was to try to show like how, and I think Jeff Tucker is really a genius at just tapping into like being a little bit ahead of the curve, you know? So he was doing things like um, doing RSS feeds and things when not everyone knew what that even was. Mm -hmm. And so I'm saying he, he's not like a programmer, but he is just close enough to get how that technology works so that Mises.org is always on the cutting edge of that sort of thing. And that's why Mises.org is, you know, one of the most heavily trafficked economic sites in the world. I mean, they get more traffic than a lot of other things that you would think would be more reputable, but Mises.org is just, they've just done a better job of it. And so... Um, that, that's what I was trying to, why we wanted him to, to give that message to the IBC folks to show them that, you know, you'd think that you have an important idea here and now it's just, you know, a matter of just keep plugging away at it and with the social media and so forth, you can really, if, if something just catches, it can really just take fire overnight. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, things can spread a lot more rapidly. So that's what we're hoping that, you know, who, who knows what the tipping point would be, but I do think that you know, we, we, we think we're on to something here with the IBC and Austrian economics and that it's just a matter of making sure the infrastructure is in place so that when the public all of a sudden is ready for it, you know, we're, we're here to teach them this is how it works. Yeah, and hopefully that tipping point is, is soon. I mean, there's enough, there's enough information out there and there's a continual growth of information that will give people the resources to, to kind of understand uh, how the whole whole system works. Because like you even said, I mean, when you were first exposed to this whole banking system, uh, being centrally located inside of an insurance policy, it's just it it, it kind of creates some some confusion. That's at least what my initial reaction was. Um, but once you understand the the fundamentals and how it works and how insurance companies works, it's it's a it's really a fascinating system. Well, yeah, that's exactly right, and we're that's what we're trying to you know. There's there's two approaches. On the one hand, you want to like really tout the thing and make it look like show the power of the and versatility of it, and so you you almost want to paint it as, look at all the stuff this can do with, like, Superman inside a insurance policy. <laughs> but then on the other hand, there's a lot of, like I say, there's a lot of skepticism because people think, wait a minute, it can't possibly be doing all that stuff. That doesn't make any sense. you know. How, and so that's, we're, we're trying to, to do both things in our approach is to show the, the power of it, but also to say, you know, it, basically it's what you're doing is you're, you're saving, you know, you're, you're deferring consumption now and you're putting resources towards the future and that's why it can grow and that's you know so it's not that you're you know doing some razzle dazzle you know in speculative scheme it's that it's just providing a very conservative way for you to accumulate wealth yep. well as we wrap up i mean you everybody that's speaking at the at the night of clarity are are economists but you guys are not the typical economists right so why you, can you would you mind plugging the you know maybe some of the other things that we could hope to see that would be of, of entertainment factor <laughs> 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 well, um, I'm not sure. So, yeah, the, the Friday night, you said we, we picked the speakers on the basis of who can give a good talk. I mean, obviously, the, the message and the content has to be sound, but we we make sure that it's a 
it's a finely choreographed show in the sense that we really do view it as we're putting on a show yep. on the Friday night event. And so, you know, the speakers are limited to like 25 minutes apiece, and they're all just top-notch dynamic public speakers. And then um, we do have the, the IBC workshop on Saturday. Like I said, then the, uh, the sort of tent party to Andrew Jackson's place. And then the Saturday night deal, I think we're going to do it Saturday this time around, is we, we do have the, uh, the after-hours karaoke outing which also a lot of people are, are surprised that economists will get up there and do karaoke, but we're, we're pretty good for economists, I'll say that. And you, put on, and you put on quite the show last year, and there weren't many people that I think that can't, I think there was maybe a dozen or so. What, what song did you sing again? I can't remember. Uh, Mac the Knife and Bobby Darren. That's right, Darren. that's right. So, uh, so are you gonna do the, the, the Ron Paul rap this year? <laughs> uh, probably, I don't think they're gonna have like, the karaoke tracks for that at the, uh, the, the place we're gonna go. Uh, I, just, I just saw that the other day, that was quite a, that was pretty funny, but. Well, anyway, Bob, I'll, I'll, uh, let's, let's wrap up. Uh, we, we, we really appreciate you being on here. We're, we're grateful for what you stand for, the books that you've, that you've written and the message that you're trying to get across. We wish you the best uh, this coming week as you, as you go and bear witness. And, and uh, again, we're grateful, grateful to have you on. Well, thanks for having me, Patrick. And, again, anyone who's interested in considering the uh, coming to Nashville in July, it's at usatrustonline.com. And thanks, Patrick, for uh, giving me the opportunity to get the message out. No problem. No problem. And everybody, visit visit our website and blog. It'll have uh, links to, to be able to register as well as phone numbers. It also, uh, on that USA Trust online website, there is uh, hotel information uh, and so forth. And so it's definitely worth, uh, worth your time and worth your money to attend. Uh, it's, a, it's an incredible event from the standpoint of understanding uh, uh, economics, and it's not the, the economics that you'll fall asleep over. They, these are incredible uh, individuals, very uh, in, intelligent and put on a great show. Uh, so we hope to see you there. Um, visit our website, which is www.paradigmlife.net for more information about the infinite banking concept. Uh, there you'll have links to our YouTube channel, our Twitter page, our Facebook page, and so forth. Thanks for listening this, this, uh, this month, and we'll see you next month.